All right, we are at session three, and we're talking about Ruth today. Ruth, all in commitment. So our first question then is, on page 83, where do you see examples of extreme loyalty in today's world? Where do you see examples of extreme loyalty in our world today? In the church. In the church? Okay. We talked about it in the service this morning. We talked about it in the service this morning about the church being loyal and trustworthy. Okay. Yeah. Anywhere else? Other than the church? On Saturday morning, when we come here, Ariel is always here. Sometimes it's only in the morning. I say, I don't like for you one to be there. But he really, I admire all this, and I say, Prayer, I really appreciate and love how he's every Sunday morning. Loyalty, yes. Sometimes, I think that's In the army. In the army, okay. The military. Sometimes in a marriage. Okay. <laughs> I like how you had that sometime on there. <laughs> okay. At work? Okay. At school too. At school? Teachers. Hospitals? Yes. But that's not anything. Some people are going to school and some people are not. So there are, there, there are a number of places we can see uh, extreme. Huh? Friends and family. Yes. And I would say in the political circles amongst those who couldn't get the job otherwise. Okay, in the political circles. <laughs> amongst those who couldn't get the job otherwise. <laughs> okay. All right, let's look at Bible Meets Life. Page 84, Bible Meets Life. For better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health, and help them do us all. Revol sat through a wedding and heard these words spoken. Many of us have spoken those words, words ourselves. There at the altar, the starry-eyed couple makes a promise to each other, to the congregation and to God. Though they say the words, most couples think their life together will always be better or richer and healthy. That kind of talk comes easy on Wednesdays when the sun is shining, everyone is beautiful, and the location is joyful. But the day will come when the circumstances change and that commitment is put to the test. Marriage is just one form of commitment. The Christian life is filled with other commitments to our friends, to our local churches, or even a simple promise we make to someone else. We live in a world where talk is pretty cheap, but loyalty and faithfulness should be the second nature to those who follow Jesus. As his disciples, we must choose to live lives of commitment, not convenience. Okay. That sounds like an old Bahamian saying, talk is cheap, money by land. We had a lot, right? All right, most people want uh, convenience. They don't want any commitment. Okay, what's the point? Okay, and that's one of the reasons why God can't get his people to do what really needs to be done 
in the body of Christ because everybody's looking for convenience and not commitment. You know, you ask for volunteers and uh, you get a long duration of silence because everybody is thinking about how inconvenient it would be if I were to do this or do that or do the next. Uh, so commitment is not the first thought. Convenience is, is, is the first thought that people have when it comes to serving uh, in the body of Christ. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have. Uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 8, 8 to 10 on page 85. Someone read that please. Naomi said to them, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and they wept loudly. They said to her, insist on, they said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people. Okay, and notice verse nine. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. And she kissed them and wept loudly. Uh, when we look at that verse, uh, verse 9, uh, we know that um, Naomi continued her prayer for both Orpah and Ruth. Now, in the culture of that time, it was essential for women to have men to provide for and to protect them. Uh, Naomi was confident each of the young widows would find a new husband. She had confidence that that would happen. A new husband who would provide rest or security for them. According to the Leverite law, not only was not only was the Leverite were operative among Israelites, but it was also a custom throughout the Middle East, an area that included Moab. The Levite law required a childless dead man's next of kin to marry the widow. The firstborn to the union would be considered to be the dead man's son to continue his name or his line. The young widow's return home might provide them the opportunity to marry kinsmen from their families. And so as we read in the text, Naomi kissed Orpah and Ruth then all three of them wept loudly. They wailed in an expression of grief. Their separation would be devastating. It would be a devastating loss for each of them. Let's look at the <coughs> verses uh, or the, the paragraphs beneath that verse. Let's see what else we can learn. <coughs> Someone read that, please. The Book of Ruth is a ray of hope in an otherwise dark time for God's people. It's a story of faithfulness, commitment, and endurance. And it stands as a testimony that even in the worst of times, God is committed to preserving his people. Ruth's story reads like a tragedy in the beginning. During the days of the judges, Elimelech and Naomi took their two sons to live in Moab far away from their home in Bethlehem. Elimelech died some time after, as, their, as did their two sons. That left Naomi and her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, 
alone and unsupported. Naomi could see a spark of hope by returning home to Bethlehem. But what about Orpah and Ruth? She thought they would have a better chance by returning to the homes they left when they married into Naomi's family. This left Orpah and Ruth with a choice. Would they take the road of commitment to their mother-in-law or would they choose the road of convenience? Who would blame them if they simply went home? After all, they had already experienced more than their fair share of grief and hardship. Along those same lines, who would blame us for leaving a marriage, or for leaving our church, or for walking out on a friendship? Surely none of those relationships is without difficulty. We have ways of justifying to ourselves and to others why it's best for all concerned if we simply walk away. Next page. As disciples of Jesus, we need to remember that God's faithfulness ultimately fuels our commitment to others. We can stay instead of leave. We can endure instead of abandon. We can persevere instead of run. Keep in mind, we're not referring to abusive relationships, those that are harmful or detrimental to us. We can do all this not because of our own willpower, but because we know our God stays, endures, and perseveres. He is committed to us. Okay. A couple of main points uh, we want to single out there in those passages. Uh, the first one is that the book of Ruth is a ray of hope in an otherwise dark time for God's people. It's a story of faithfulness, commitment, and endurance. Three things that are very essential if we're going to have any kind of progress. It stands as a testimony that even in the worst times, God is committed to preserving his people. Something to remember, isn't it? And we've seen that over and over throughout scripture. Even in the worst possible times, we see God's commitment remain steadfast in preserving his people. The second point is, Ruth's story reads like a tragedy in the beginning. And the third point is, this left Orpah and Ruth without, with a choice. Would they take the road of commitment to their mother-in-law, or would they choose the road of convenience? And as we mentioned before, a lot of times people lean toward the road of convenience rather than commitment. Right. And then the fourth point. Yes, I hate to interrupt you here. But nevertheless, there is something that I must bring to your attention. And in those days, and it's still happening today as we speak, in those parts of the world, when a couple gets married, the man dies, the woman then is put out of the house and she has to go back to where she came from. The estate of the dead man goes back to the family. Mm -hmm. And that is still happening today in the Middle East and also in India. Mm -hmm. That is happening. So therefore, it was quite a, quite a choice for those two women to make. Should she go with her mother-in-law and live with her mother-in-law or return back and be on the streets or try if she's beautiful and as I guess at that particular time they were young, so mm. therefore they had a chance to get married. <laughs> so therefore, that is what the whole situation that they faced. Mm. Very good point. Mm. Uh, fourth point, as disciples of Jesus, that's us, 
We need to remember that God's faithfulness ultimately fuels our commitment to others. How many of us have had that experience where our faithfulness fueled the commitment to others? person would uh, look at you and what you're doing and, and probably approach you and say, boy, you know, your faithfulness is really encouraging to me. Because of your faithfulness, I have done this, or because of your faithfulness, I've gotten involved in that. So we see that happening. And we need to be mindful of that, because sometimes we don't know who's watching our lives to be able to determine how they're going to live their lives, by example. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had a couple of experiences uh, and uh, I can tell you it's uh, it, uh, it really shakes you uh, when someone comes to you and said uh, say to you you know I've been watching you and you you have no clue no idea that you somebody's using you as an example of how they to live their lives for Christ. It wakes you up. It really wakes you up. And so we need to be mindful uh, that uh, our faithfulness is being watched. Question number two. What character traits in a person inspire your loyalty? Trustworthy. Trustworthiness, okay. Hmm? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Kindness, okay. Consideration. Consideration. Being considerate of others, okay. Hmm? Committed. Commitment. Encouragement. Okay. Those are some good uh, traits, character traits. Uh, sort of another twist to that question. What makes you feel loyal to certain people? What makes you feel loyal to certain people? Anyone? The integrity of the individual that you're surrounded by. Okay. The person's integrity. All right. Yeah, that happened to me with some sister Rose. sure. I had the experience with her. When she, her son passed away, she called me to help her with the situation. And I know how faithful she is to our family and church and everything. I felt she needed some help. She called me and I can hear her stress and moving my voice. And she said, yeah, I think we need to do this and we need to do this. I was traveling. Mm -hmm. I canceled it or postponed it because I could hear she was stressed. I said, don't worry, I'll take care of it for you. She said, that means so much to me. Yeah. Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, the answer is saying that she got a call from Sister Rose Bradshaw after Sunday asking for her assistance. And uh, that was encouraging to her to the point where she canceled her travel plans to be able to like assist anniversary. her. Anniversary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she canceled her anniversary plans uh, to assist Sister Rose uh, in what she's going through. Okay, so that's good. Okay, as we move to verse 11 to 12 to 15, we see Ruth and Orpah make different choices regarding their mother-in-law, Naomi. So let's look at those, uh, that passage from verses 11 to 15. But Naomi replied, 
return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my, da my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to be a son, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourself from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too better for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Mm -hmm. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. Okay, look at question number three. What characteristics separate fair-weather friends from relationships that endure? What characteristics? Loyalty. Loyalty. We see that in the in the story, right? What else? Loyalty is basically the main one, right? Okay, let's look at the paragraphs there beneath the verse and see what else we can get. Continue reading. Naomi loved her daughter-in-law but she wanted to make sure they had their eyes fully open to the truth. If they indeed remained with her, they would be committing themselves not to a life of ease and security, but to a life of poverty and need. They would be choosing to walk beside her even though the road before them would be filled with difficulty. Given those realities, Naomi wanted them to count the cost. Okay, page 88. Jesus also called us to count the cost. See Luke 14, 25 to 33. Okay, let's look at those verses. Luke 14, 25 to 32. A large crowd is following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete, complete only the foundation before running out of money and everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if you can't, and if he can't, he would send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. Continue reading. In fact, it's the nature of the Christian life to give things up. Our preferences. We're not to cling to what we prefer, 
whether in church and friendships or in the home, we are dying daily to our preferences in favor of what is most needed by others, as Jesus did. See Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Anybody have that? I do. Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Selves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay. Our preferences. Okay. Continue reading. Our rights. As followers of Christ, we're to give up our claim on what we think we deserve. That's because, as a sinner, the only thing we truly and undeniably deserve is eternal punishment. Hmm. Because of God's grace towards us, we willingly turn the other cheek and stand with joy under suffering. We set aside whatever rights we once held dear for the sake of others. Our plans. In our arrogance, we often presume upon the will of God, make plans that suit us, and then we ask the Lord to bless what we want to do anyway. <laughs> to follow Christ is to submit to his plans, not our own. Orpa, I said Oprah before. Yeah. It, it is Orpa. Orpa? yeah. Orpa. Counted the course as spelled out by Naomi, and she chose to go home. Ruth heard the same speech from Naomi, but she stood her ground. She truly was all in. Answering the call of commitment to Jesus means abandoning all else in order to follow him. The great irony of following Jesus is that we end up with far more than we sacrifice. We find ourselves confessing as Peter did, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life, John 6, 68. Okay, so we see three points there. Our preferences, our rights, and our plans are the issue whenever we are confronted with challenges. Okay, let's uh, look at the other, the final passage. Ruth chapter 1, 16 to 17. You all give an update. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Okay, now notice the first paragraph there. Ruth counted the cost, too. She was willing to endure the hard times before her, but she still had to put an action, had to put action behind those words. In these verses, we find three tangible commitments demonstrated through Ruth's actions. Actions we can also carry out to demonstrate our own commitment. Someone continue reading, please. 
Who counted the cost to? Not she Huh? He's read that. The first part. I will be present with you. Yeah. Oh, I know. You read that. Okay. Yeah, go from the bullet points. Must have been the agreement. <laughs> I will be present with you. Ruth pledged to Naomi that wherever she went, Ruth would also go. And wherever Naomi settled, Ruth would also settle. <coughs> this was a pledge of commitment to be present. It's a pledge we can imitate. One that means choosing to put your own agenda aside and truly invest in the person God has put in front of you. Okay. I believe, I will believe with you. Ruth wasn't just making a commitment to her mother-in-law. She was making a commitment to the God of Israel. As Christians, we can come alongside other Christians and support them in our shared faith. faith. We do this most simply and most powerfully when we pray fer fervently with another believer. I will press on with you. Ruth went so far as to say nothing would end her commitment to Naomi but death. That's endurance, which is more spiritually important than we sometimes think. For example, Paul exhorted Timothy his son in the face simply to keep going, to endure, persevere, stay in the fight until the end. Okay, let's look at that verse there in Timothy. Someone have it? If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Okay, so if we endure hardship, He'll be with us. Continue reading. And such endurance is easier when we stand together. See Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 12. Okay, what Ecclesiastes says, two people are better off than one, mm -hmm. but they can help each other succeed. Yeah. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Okay, continue reading. When the church cares practically for its own, supporting them when they are too weak to support themselves. We show our commitment to press on in faith together to the very end. Okay, very good. So take note of those bullet points there and see if we can integrate them into our goings and comings in our daily lives. Question number four, how do the elements of Ruth's commitment to Naomi parallel our commitment to Christ? How do the elements? It's the same, isn't it? She was committed to Ruth, wasn't she? Remain faithful. Regardless of what she encountered, she decided that she would stay, right? Okay, so there's a parallel in the commitment there. Question number 
5. What are specific circumstances in which we can honor Christ by choosing commitment over convenience? What specific circumstances? Circumstances that we face, like what kind of circumstances? No, I said the circumstances like Ruth faced. Oh, the circumstances like Ruth faced. Okay, so you have a similar circumstances like Ruth. You would choose uh, the kind of commitment that she made. Okay, what other uh, specific circumstances that we can honor Christ by choosing convenience over or commitment over convenience. Think of some everyday occurrences or circumstances. You're sacrificing. Hmm? I don't know I'm Making <laughs> sacrifices. Sacrifice to, like, be in more committed instead of being convenient. Okay, well, think of some areas where people choose convenience over commitment. What do we think of when we think of Sister Nancy? Uh, when I think about commitment, is um, people do commit to different phases of the church, yes. like Bible studies, Sunday school, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And week after week, they're going and keeping the promises to themselves and to God. They want to continue to helping others. Okay. And sometimes it's inconvenient to do that, right? I don't think of going to work in Boston to do something that is unethical. Okay, when the world challenges you to do something that is unethical, yeah. and it, it would be more convenient to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. Boss, for instance. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we see those experiences uh, over and over in our, in our daily lives as we go through life. We often confront challenges in our lives where we have the, the, the choice of commitment or convenience. Okay, uh, the point again? Christ-centered living chooses commitment, not convenience. Okay, thought to remember. Okay, let's look at how we can flesh this out as we go forth. Well, Brother Randy, uh, a, a real obvious one that we see today in, the, in our world is that um, a lot of people just ditch their marriage because it's more convenient to just leave it than to work on it and work through and stick with the commitment they made to each other. And that, you know, it's not really um, popular to stay with the commitment of marriage. It's more popular and convenient to say forget it and leave the marriage. And chalk it up to irrevocable differences. Yeah. These young people today, the first harsh word they want to step out. You know, it's, um, I mean, if you all know what I've been through. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, 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 yeah. You <laughs> Don't worry, you're gonna get a crown for that. <laughs> Just ask them. You all try to carry my For me, sometimes there is how to do three and four very, very important things that I 
have to do before I come here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, but you know, I say it all for the honor and glory of God. Okay. Okay. Brother Randy, very quickly. Uh -huh. um, many people have told me a marriage certificate is only a piece of paper with a priest of written the sun writing on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a commitment before God that matters. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. How will we demonstrate commitment to others this week? Consider the following options. Right. Who has committed all in to you and stuck with you through thick and thin? Take time to write that person a thank you note for maintaining such a steadfast commitment. All right, so write something. Someone who's stuck with you too thick and thin. Pray together. What's one commitment you have been wavering on? Share that commitment with your group so they can pray for you if you desire to do that. Okay, express commitment. Think of one person to whom you've committed yourself. Make an appointment to meet with him or her to make sure there's no doubt you are all in. Commitment, committed to that relationship. Okay, so we got three things we got to do here. Write, pray together, and express commitment. Commitment has mostly fallen out of style, uh, especially when it comes to marriages, as I've mentioned. It's simply too hard and too inconvenient to commit ourselves to a person, a church, or even faith. But for Christians, this kind of all-in commitment is more than an ideal. It's a part of who we are. It's second nature. And that's the theme of our studies that we're looking at. Second nature. Amen? Amen. Amen.